The European Society for Medical Oncology Annual Meeting 2023 took place on the 20th to 24th of October in Madrid, Spain. We had loads of great updates and discussion during the meeting and spoke to some of the presenters on the biggest trials. In this podcast, we're going through some of the highlights from our interviews with leading experts in GI cancer. First up, we have John H. Strickler from the Duke Cancer Institute reporting on the Phase 2 Mountaineer trial, which evaluated the activity and tolerability of tucatinib plus trastuzumab in HER2-positive metastatic colorectal cancer. The Mountaineer trial was a study conducted to evaluate the activity and tolerability of tucatinib and trastuzumab for patients with HER2-positive metastatic colorectal cancer. And uh, we found that the combination was safe, well-tolerated, and clinically active. And based on the high response rate and progression-free survival, this received a approval by the United States Food and Drug Administration earlier this year. The purpose of this study was to explore clinical pathologic features and genomic alterations that may predict for sensitivity or resistance to this regimen, both at the baseline pretreatment time point and then at the time of progression. So in terms of, so in terms of what we found in this study, uh, we first looked at clinical pathologic features and found that patients with left-sided primaries appeared to have a numerically higher response rate than patients with non-left-sided primaries. We uh, found that anti-EGFR therapies did not pre predict for sensitivity or resistance, so it appeared to have no impact on response rate whether or not a patient had received that in the past. And we also found a slight advantage for treating patients with tucatinib and trastuzumab in earlier lines of therapy, but still response rates were high among those patients who were more heavily pretreated as well. When we looked at genomic factors in the baseline pretreatment tissue, uh, there were really no amplifications or mutations that appeared to predict for resistance. And we noticed that response rates remained high even in patients who had ERBB2 mutations at baseline. And then when we looked at circulating tumor DNA, we had some surprising findings. We were expecting that KRAS and NRAS variants would predict resistance to tucatinib and trastuzumab, but they didn't in our data. Response rates were about the same, and we think that was mainly because they were subclonal in nature and didn't appear to impact response. In fact, one patient with an NRAS subclone had a response that lasted over three years. So we found a number of uh, interesting factors that can be used to guide our practice. Next, Stefan L. Chan from the Chinese University of Hong Kong discusses the prognostic practice associated with long-term survival in patients treated with immunotherapies for hepatobiliary cancers. Yeah, I think nowadays uh, with the immunotherapy in both uh, XCC and also biliary tract cancer, we know that we can see there's a tail in the survival curve. Uh, for example, for the uh, patient treated with uh, uh, the tramidimumab uh, plus uh, dovalumab in the Himalaya clinical trial, now we have four-year overall survival data showing that around 25% patients survive by that time when treated with this regimen. And also for the TOBAS-1, we know that the two-year uh, survival rate is up to 20-something percent. Uh, so we know these are a group of patients that's uh, featuring a long-term and durable survivors. How to uh, identify these patients remain to be explored. Uh, from the exploratory analysis, uh, for example, the Himalaya, 
for those who long with a long term survive, for those who are long term survivors, uh, we actually do not identify a subgroup that really uh, are um, standing out in the long term survivors. Either patient with hepatitis B or C or long viral hepatitis, equals zero or one, they still have a chance of uh, being uh, uh, surviving at that point. And also disease burden or at the LB liver function, or actually uh, didn't play a role in predicting response. So I think the key message is. Uh, try to treat our patients with uh, immunotherapy uh, or in BTC with immunotherapy plus the chemo. Um, with time, we will know who will be the long-term survivors. But the key point is to try to give, uh, give them a chance to receive uh, immunotherapy and they will be, uh, there's a pretty good chance that they will become long-term survivors. And now we have Benedict Westphillip from Ludwig Maximilians University Hospital discussing advances in targeting KRAS in GI cancers. Targeting KRAS has been one of the holy grails in oncology overall. I remember being a young postdoc 10 years ago, um, not so young maybe, but a young postdoc being told that KRAS is completely undruggable. Now, 10 years later, we have approved agents for KRAS G12C and more KRAS G12C um, inhibitors uh, close to clinical deployment. Here at ESMO 2023, we've seen the first PEN-KRAS inhibitors um, with clinical activity, for example, in pancreatic cancer. Why is this important on a global scale? More than three and a half million patients are diagnosed with KRAS mutant disease each year. So having agents that target this driver of um, so many malignancies is important. With activity seen now in early clinical trials, it gives us new drugs that we can test in smart combinations. And we've seen the data of Codebreak 300 um, presented by my dear friend Filippo Pietantonio of Sotorazib and Panitumumab um, together. So these agents will be employed as combination partners and will give us new um, yeah, weapons in the fight against cancer. Filippo Pietrantonio from the Fondazione IRCCS Instituto Nazionale di Tomori discusses the results of the Phase 3 Codebreak 300 trial investigating sotorecib combined with pamipitumumab versus standard of care in patients with chemorefractory KRAS G12C mutated metastatic colorectal cancer. So Codebreak 300 uh, is a, a randomized phase 3 global uh, study on sotorazib plus panitumumab in a, a population of patients with metastatic colorectal cancer and a KRAS G12C mutation. So this alteration is found in approximately 3% of patients with uh, metastatic colorectal cancer. And uh, we know that uh, monotherapy with sotorazib uh, in previous studies uh, achieved uh, an overall response rate of approximately 10%. Uh, however, there are also preclinical data showing synergy uh, between uh, KRAS G2C inhibition with sotorazib, for example, and uh, anti-GFR therapy. And so the results with this combination are uh, more promising. So based on this, uh, this phase three study was designed and uh, this study enrolled the patients uh, with a KRAS G2C mutation and metastatic colorectal cancer after failure of at least 
least one prior treatment line for metastatic disease, usually two prior treatment lines. And 160 patients were randomized to either three uh, arms, uh, two experimental arms with uh, panitumumab plus sotorazib at the standard dose of 960 milligrams daily or sotorazib at 240 milligrams daily plus panitumumab uh, or investigator's choice therapy with trifluoridine tipiracil uh, or regorafenib. Uh, so basically uh, regarding the uh, main study findings, uh, the primary study endpoint was progression-free survival and uh, this endpoint was significantly improved by both uh, sotorazib doses plus panitumumab versus investigator's choice uh, and uh, also overall response rate and disease control rate were improved with sotorazib at the standard and lower dose versus investigator's choice. Uh, overall survival data were immature at the data cutoff, so continued follow-up of this trial is ongoing, so we will have updates in the future. Uh, and regarding the safety profile, the treatment with the combination of sotorazib, both at the standard and lower dose plus panitumumab was tolerable with no new safety signals, no treatment-related deaths, and the safety profile of the, the experimental combination was consistent with the safety profiles of sotorazib and panitumumab. Uh, so based on these results, the sotorazib dose of 960 milligrams uh, plus panitumumab could be regarded as a new standard of care therapy in patients with keras g 12 mutated uh, chemorefractory metastatic colorectal cancer. Yoshiaki Nakamura from the National Cancer Center Hospital East shares an updated analysis of the GALAXY study investigating ctDNA as a prognostic biomarker in resected colorectal cancer. This is our uh, updated analysis including greater, greater than 2,000 patients further validated uh, the uh, lower DFS in the MRD positive patients. Now we see the dynamics closer linked to DFS and uh, significant benefit from ACT MRD positive but not negative patients. So the, uh, our analysis strongly suggested uh, uh, CTDNA is a strong prognostic factor and uh, maybe the predictive factor in the adjuvant chemotherapy in the rejected colorectal cancer. And finally, we have Lorenzo Ramassa from the Humanitas University discussing data from various hepatocellular carcinoma and cholangiocarcinoma trials, including Advantic 206 and ABC1. So I discussed three trials, uh, one in HCC and two in cholangiocarcinoma. The trial in HCC is a trial that tested in the first line in an Asian population the combination of tizelizumab, that is an anti-PD-1, plus bevacizumab biosimilar, plus a new anti-TIGIT, so a new antibody against a new checkpoint inhibitor, versus uh, the combination of tizelizumab plus bevacizumab biosimilar. Unfortunately, the trial is negative, but the double combination show an interesting response rate of 37.5% with a, a short duration, 10.6 months, so we will need to see if we uh, will be able to see a um, prolonged duration of response maybe in the future. So the trial is negative, but uh, um, there is a still a rationale in using anti-TIGIT uh, antibodies in HCC, and there is an ongoing phase three trial with another molecule that will be um, clarify if TIGIT inhibition has a role in HCC. 
Then uh, the other two trials were in cholangiocarcinoma. The first one is a post-hoc analysis of three randomized trials, ABC01, 02, and 03, that tested the role of gemcitabine cisplatin in first line in the advanced setting. This post-hoc analysis aimed to evaluate the outcome of patients with extrahepatic cholangiocarcinoma. This is important because we have now identified some molecular alterations with potentially targetable agents, targeted agents for patients with extrahepatic cholangiocarcinoma like HER2 amplification. So it's important to have an idea of the outcome of these patients. And what this analysis clarified is that the prognosis of patients with extrahepatic cholangiocarcinoma is worse compared to the prognosis of patients with intrahepatic cholangiocarcinoma, but quite similar to the overall patient population with a biliary tract cancer. So this data will be useful in the future uh, to better understand the results of um, targeted agents uh, in, uh, against molecular alteration in patients with extrahepatic uh, uh, cholangiocarcinoma. The third trial is a um, phase 1-2 trial of tinengotinib, that is a new FGFR inhibitor that has been tested in different groups of patients. But what is really important is that tinengotinib has shown activity in patients previously treated with other FGFR inhibitors and progressing, developing resistance on FGFR inhibitors. And this drug was able to demonstrate um, clear activity with a very good safety profiling in patients previously treated with other FGFR inhibitors. So we can imagine if this data will be confirmed in a large phase three trial that has been planned and is gonna start in the next months. If this data will be confirmed, we will be able to define a sequence of different FGFR inhibitors for patients with cholangiocarcinoma and FGFR2 gene fusions. Thank you for listening. If you have found this podcast insightful, please leave a review and don't forget to subscribe on your podcast app. Follow us on Twitter at VG Oncology to join in the conversation and check out vgoncology.com for all of our exclusive coverage on data presented at ESMO 2023.